This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 648, brought to you by Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. For 20% off your first order, go to MacWeldon.com, use coupon code iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pickwick, episode 648. We're all in a hurry today. I'm Connor Kilpatrick. This is my co-host, Josh Flanagan. Hi. I, j- I just closed my script. I'm <laughs> winging it. Uh-oh. It's almost like we haven't done this intro for 12 years. Good news. It's back. <laughs> we are iFanboy, and we like comic books. Every week we read a bunch of comic books, and one of us picks their favorite book. We call it the Pick of the Week. It's just a device to talk about comics, guys. That's all it is. Make And make uh, subtle pop culture jokes that are related to our specific interests and attract other people who have those interests uh it's a ponzi scheme is it i mean it's not successful (laughs) it's it's a very low rent ponzi scheme all right well i I wasn't i in case there's law enforcement listening i was not aware this is all josh's thing i can't i think that that only account that only works in one position we talk about comics, we talk about those books, other books from the week, we talk about the patron pick, we do some listener mail if we have time and don't go along, which we can continue to do lately. It'll be fun. And here's a spoiler warning, it's a review show, there'll be spoilers, so exercise some caution. Because this week, Josh had the pick, and you need to always have caution when it's Josh's week. <laughs> Normally I like to do that before the show. Yeah, it's a black cherry seltzer from Schweppes. It's refreshing. It's Are we crisp. sponsored by, by Schweppes? No, that's a freebie for them. Then don't mention them. <laughs> Pick of the week is Old Man Hawkeye, number eight. I always like to give the context. Yeah. It was one of those weeks where I read a bunch of books I kind of liked. Yes. A lot. And I had to go back and look, and there was, I think there was about two books, and both of them I thought, huh, and it's going to be the pick of the week? Could be. In the end, I landed on, I landed on Old Man Hawkeye, number eight, I think for the same reason that I made a pick of the week before. Uh, it's just it's just a good time, and it's, it's still a good time. It's for you. It's a book for you. Yeah, it, it totally is. It, it's like it's taken us out of whatever this her, we've skipped whatever horrendous continuity morass we have in comics now, mm-hmm. and we've just taken the character that I've loved and <laughs> skipped them to much later, and been like, don't worry about any of that. And I'm like, oh good, like none of this matters. I can just read the thing and enjoy the bits of the past and 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 these characters. And it's it's funny because. You know, if you've been following along, this is Hawkeye, Clint Barton in – I have to specify that now, mm-hmm. by the way. Yep. I have to specify when I say Hawkeye, which Hawkeye. We've taken them far into the future in the world of the old man Logan where, you know, the superheroes lost everything and now it's a it's – a, all future books are, are horrible, apocalyptic wastelands uh, and this is no different. But, you know, it's it's fun. I recognize these people. I like the things that they're referring to in the background – it's funny because the, the the way that this has been constructed, it's they didn't give you a lot in the beginning. No. And as you go through the story, like now you have a much more clear focus on sort of what is actually happening now. You know, Clint is is broken and he's settling old scores and other people don't agree with him, but they but they they live in this world and they're like, fine, well, let's, let's just go for it. 
And then, you know, at the end, there were a handful of really good moments in this book. There was a couple of things that led me to the pick. And it was uh, I was adding up the moments that when I read it, I was like, that was a great moment. <laughs> um, I think there was three or four of them in this that I really enjoyed. And then I also really enjoyed the art. I was looking at it from this, the standpoint of just sort of a, a good action superhero comic with like punching and fighting and violence and, and, you know, sort of the old school definition of what superhero comics and in sort of big images that are not normal and in like sort of mellow dramatic stuff. And, mm -hmm. uh, I thought when you added all that stuff together, I was like, Oh, I think this is the most fun book I read this week. You know, what's amazing is that this is basically Ethan Sachs first book. Like he's, he did a couple yeah. of random issues. He was a reporter for the New York daily news. Yeah. Looks like he made the jump at the right time. That's really amazing that yes. someone who has basically no comic experience is able to do something this well-plotted and well-constructed. Because you're right, the, one of the benefits is that we were, we were dropped into the story early on, and then it's been unfolding before us. That's a fairly sophisticated comic plot from someone who hasn't done it before. So he might be someone to keep an eye on. Yeah, it really is. It, it, does, not, it, it does not in any way stink of... Uh, you know, oh, this is someone who hasn't done comics, but it's good. It just was like, oh, it's a good comic. I mean, it reads like this might as well be a Greg Rucka book. Right. I mean, and, and I say that uh, with respect, you know, that. Let me ask you thing. what you thought. Uh, so at the end of the last issue, number seven, the big reveal was was Winter Soldier was <laughs> being dropped into the battle. The bad guys unveiled Winter Soldier, someone they were going to send after Hawkeye. And we were all excited because Clinton and uh, Bucky have an interesting relationship. Mm -hmm. And here he is very quickly dispatched by Bullseye. Like he comes into the battle and dies immediately. So what did you think of that happening as opposed to what we thought was going to happen? I liked it as a left turn. I don't like the obvious thing where the obvious thing is you're going to pit friend against friend and there's going to be a fight and then there'll be a thing. You know, I, I, I wasn't like looking forward to that as a thing that I was disappointed didn't happen, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed sort of what was happening. One of my One of my favorite things that happens, I guess, in these books is that in a lot of comics, um, it's like a recurring theme. The There are always like a, a, there's a henchman or two mm -hmm. who are controlling whoever it is that is doing the actual fighting. Yeah. And like they seem like useless louts. <laughs> and so in this one, you've got two dudes in a truck and they're, you know, they're con they're controlling the Winter Soldier who is in his sort of zombie assassin for the state phase. Yeah. Um, and he goes after Bullseye and, and Bullseye. It's a challenge for Bullseye, but Bullseye wins because in this, you know, in this we've decided that Bullseye is is unbeatable. And then there's, I thought there was a really nice moment at the end where, where basically Buck finally says thank you, and I was <laughs> like, I understand you, Bucky. I get you. <laughs> and I liked that. I liked that it was a good fight sequence. It was sort of violent. It felt like it had stakes, but also none of this has stakes, which is kind of fun. Or the opposite. It's all has stakes because uh, since it's a future story, they can all be permanently killed. Yeah, exactly. So you can kind of do anything, and then that keeps it surprising and interesting. And then, you know, the, it, it's not over after that. He Bullseye throws the head into the <laughs> van with the with the louts. It's got all those elements. It's got a lot of the stuff that made Old Man Logan the first sort of bit of it really good. You know, as we go on, Clint's vision is getting worse and worse. He's missing more and more when he shoots his arrows. You know, him and Kate, they have the same relationship, but... They're both clearly older and, and wizened and changed, and I, and I like how that was done. And then, you know, finally, you know, the thing in this is he's, gonna, he's going after Songbird, who was another one of the Thunderbolts when they turned on him. And she's some sort of, you know, sanctified, silent, nun-monk person. 
and he goes in and she just holds up a handwritten sign that says, I'm sorry. And she gives him a hug. And then you just see him pull an arrow out. He's going to, and that's it. That's the end of the scene. Cause he stabbed her with the arrow off screen. I just, I was like, that is a really in the back. Scene. Yep. In the back. Like he's gone. Like this Clint, the thing is, <laughs> this Clint is gone. Like his, his scruples and all the, are not there anymore in the form that we recognize, but I still find him more like the Hawkeye that I know than the one that's in the current books. Yeah. Well, you can still be, I mean, driven to the yeah. point where your morals are gone when the world changes and you've yeah. been completely uh, betrayed. You know, this is basically old Hawkeye by way of Unforgiven. You yep. know? There's a line in here where somebody basically says that. We're like, Kate's like, I'm not going in there with you, but but I understand, sort of. Yeah. It is interesting because I I, I haven't read Old Man Logan since... I don't know, since we did that Wolverine video show, I think, mm. which was like in 2008, maybe, or, or a nine, decade. a decade ago. So I don't remember the details of it at all. And since this is a prequel, it takes place five years before, according to the title mm. page. I don't remember who, if any of these people show up in that book or not. I'm not, I'm not asking for people to tell me. Yeah. Well, they probably will now. But so for that reason, I don't know, other than Red Skull, who lives and dies or who's still, who's still around Right, old Ben Logan comes around, but um, I feel like Bullseye is in that other one, but I don't know. I also I really like Bullseye in this book. Yeah, he's fun. It's a well. Think about when's the last time you read a great Bullseye story? Kevin Smith Daredevil run. Right, so it's been and I doubt that I would be good if great if I read it now. So Uh, I I don't know what's happened, but they haven't really used him. He doesn't show up in Daredevil ever. No, wasn't there like the Lady Bullseye story that was really good as I remember it? I don't remember anything about it other than I liked it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is this is good and it's fun and I think twelve issues is a, is a good length. Yep, and it's you know I, I I dig the art. I like I like the whole package and it's uh it's it's super fun and it's one of those little series like it's like that eighteen seventy two series like just give me a give me a mini or a maxi series and let me hang out for a while with people who are writing the characters as as I like them best. Well, I'm glad they have this popular world of Old Man Logan, in which they can tell these stories that maybe wouldn't mm-hmm. get greenlit otherwise. If you can tie it to something like that. So this has been fun. Not that I need more of these old man stories, but this was a good one. No, and and there's a tipping point, but when it's done well, it's done well. Old man puck. (laughs) My pick of the week would have been Action Comics 1002, the continued Brian Bendis watch that we're having. I thought this was terrific. From a really incredible cover to really great Patrick Gleason art to a story that continues to be really interesting. And this this felt very Bendis-y. There was a bit in the... This in, it's in the newsroom. Yeah. Low-level criminal named John Bender, a.k.a. Yogurt. Yogurt? His street name is Yogurt. Like, yes. I was like, there he is. <laughs> and actually, before that, there's that same page. There's a body falls in the middle of Middletown. Superman? Multiple witnesses. Superman? Multiple. <laughs> like, I was like, there he goes. He's settling He's in. He's settling yeah. in. It's working for me. It's really working for me. Guardian comes back. He was a great 90s character mm-hmm. at least i mean he's from before that but they used him a lot in the 90s i think he's jack kirby yeah he's way before that but he was really a prominent character in the 90s superman when i was reading it right he's sort of the non-powered vigilante in metropolis and uh, he gets real beat up by the bad guys that was all good and we are seeing more now of the double agent at the daily planet who works for the bad guys but my favorite part of this we know was, that already yeah we saw her she showed up in the meeting of the bad guys last time okay all right, I missed that. But my favorite two one. parts were the scene at the bar where Clark goes to get information and the big scary biker guy falls into him crying. It's not fair. <laughs> and he's like, oh, hey. Uh, mm. 
I went back and I looked at it again because I was like, oh, did he punch him? I was like, oh, that's not what's happening here. And I, I, I know we, we, we just talked about this with you, but this is, especially now as I'm flipping through it, like this is a book that has a, a really good number of, of fun, memorable moments. Yeah. And then the, um, the scene where he, he's all pissed off at uh, yeah. the score. So he goes into the asteroid belt and puts punching asteroids, which I thought I was. Thought that, have you ever seen that? No. I really like that. Superman gets frustrated sometimes. I think that's that's great. I mean, if you want to like showcase a character's humanity, that's a that's a pretty good. I thought that was a really interesting sequence, and I was like, I've never seen that. That's new, yeah. which is which is a thing. If I were Superman, I'd fold up the entire city like a quesadilla. That was a great line from Perry White. <laughs> and then Cat Grant shows up, and they have a nice little moment. Yeah, I just think he's really firing now on all cylinders. He's written a lot of Superman issues. <laughs> I mean, yes, he has. It's crash in a very short amount of time. And I think with the last couple, he's really starting to settle in comfortably. And I really like it. Yeah, and I, I think another story here is, I don't want to say the rebirth of Patrick Gleason, but it's like it's a supercharged Patrick Gleason. Mm-hmm. He's doing really great work, and it, it's, it's, it's a step away. It's, it looks a little more like his stuff before. He has been writing and drawing with Peter Tomasi for a long time. And Tomasi's terrific, and, but sometimes it takes switching it up and drawing yeah. a different kind of script to really sort of flex your muscles. And we see that a lot of times where someone goes to, with a different writer or writer with a different artist, and it's, it gets sort of supercharged because there's a chemistry or whatever. And and uh, I think you're seeing that here. And also just like, you know, you want to step up. Yeah. You're, you're, you're doing – I mean, he's done Superman before, but this is a, a, a bigger version of it. It's a high-profile yeah. gig. And he's meeting that challenge. I think it's really, really interesting. Did you read The Punisher? I did. I did. I'm shocked that this was not the patron pick. It was not. I know. But it, I, it, like, it feels like that would be the one that people would force me to read. <laughs> well, it was written by Matthew Rosenberg. You know, one of the bright new lights at Marvel, I think, along with uh, Donny Cates. Sure. They're pals. He seems to be getting all the books, all the sort of C and low B level books that he wants, <laughs> apparently. I probably wouldn't have checked out The Punisher otherwise. I agree with you. Hey, is uh, Simon Kudransky, did he draw Punisher with like Garth Ennis? Did he do one of those? Why do I know that? I'm name? actually looking him up right now because he is a name I know. I can't remember from where. And I thought it, it, it didn't really help. No, there's things I liked about it. Yes. I liked the way that he drew Zemo a lot. because I loved the way he drew creepy. Zemo. Yes. That was really cool. I mean, I think the action is good. It's just there's, there's an inconsistency to the faces. Like, the Punisher had, like, three different faces throughout the book. Yeah. I don't know how he draws, but it looks like it's either a lot of either photo-referencing or digital yeah. posing. Mm-hmm. And that can come off as very stiff and not natural. And also, mm-hmm. the, the, it can give you very different faces. Yeah. But the storytelling, I think, is pretty strong. No, for sure. The, ac- the action sequences were really good, and they, they flowed, and you could tell what was happening is what you would have expected out of a Punisher book. And, like, the, the shot of uh, when they come in and see the Mandarin, you know, the, like, this low-angle shot of him standing there, and it's a big, <laughs> ridiculous shark tank with a spiral staircase around it. <laughs> like, that's, that's proper villainy right there. Yeah, for sure. I did like that the Punisher went and got a tank. Yeah. Well, he sh- should have. He chased the bad guys to their base. He wasn't going to be able to break in without a, an army. So he goes nine miles to Fort Wadsworth's armory and steals a tank and drives it through the wall. I did like that mm-hmm. a lot. 
But I don't yeah. know, man. Um, I liked it. Yeah. I, I like the pol- political bureaucracy going on between Zemo and, like, Zemo's, like, trying to be a bureaucrat yeah. in a way. You know, and he's working with the Mandarin. He's like, dude, you can't, you know, <laughs> calm it down. Yeah. And he's making deals with Roxxon. And I think that stuff's pretty interesting and well done. And I think I think Matt's probably the right guy to handle some of that. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's good stuff. I don't really care about the Punisher. So if you ask me, like, what did you think about the book? I was like, I thought that stuff with Zemo and everything that wasn't the Punisher was really great. Then the stuff with the Punisher is what it is. He's a faceless, you know, force killing everything in the way. I kind of like the idea of him up against a, someone like Zemo. Yeah. It's a very un- different story for me. So I, I don't know. I might I might keep reading, at least for the Zemo story. I'd probably read the next one. Yeah. It's got something. It's different than what I've gotten out of most Punisher books for a while. Well, it's, so. this is more of your standard superhero world Punisher, right? Like, it's not like... Yeah, I mean, I mean, basically, he's not trying to do... He's not trying to do Ennis. He's not trying to do that. Or Rucka, is, or, or like Punisher yeah. as a sympathetic... You know, veteran who got his, mm-hmm. who's just trying to do the right thing, or not. This is like Punisher killing a lot of dudes and fighting supervillains. Mm-hmm. So it's a different stealing kind of motorcycles. Movie. Yeah. Did you notice that the motorcycle that he stole has a crucifix on the helmet? I didn't. I did not notice that. Oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> just, just the extra kick. In the did he have there. any dialogue? Nope. No. Uh, on the phone. Hmm. It just says like you know who this is. Oh, that's or right. Something like that. But I think that's it. Well, you know who I am. <laughs> Which is like, oof, that's good. <laughs> good stuff. Strong work. I assume you're not reading Die Die Die. Nope. So Die 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 came out while you were on vacation, or off the show, or at work, somewhere you weren't on the show. Ryan and I talked yeah, about I- it. And this was the book that Image secretly made and dropped on the comic stores with no warning. They didn't publicize it. It just showed up in their boxes. Co-written by Robert Kirkman and Scott Gimple, who do... Scott Gimple's one of the showrunners on The Walking Dead. And Chris Burnham is doing the art with Nathan Fairbairn on colors. It's a very different kind of Kirkman book. Mm-hmm. It's kind of grindhouse It's high action. He's writing a lot to Burnham's strengths here. Mm-hmm. It's bloody. It's gory. It's fun. It's, it's kind of got a, a Chris Burnham sensibility to it, where there's a lot of really intricate panels and layouts and things and a lot of blood he really does do gore very well story basically is these three twin brothers they're asian american they were you know raised to be the best assassins in the world in the first issue one of them was kidnapped and he had his nose very graphically removed at the end of that issue the other two brothers were ostensibly going to go rescue him but here we find out in the second issue that one of the brothers was trying to rescue him the other brother was not and things happen Things? Well, I don't want to ruin it because I don't think a lot okay. of people are reading it. But basically, yeah, you find out one of the brothers isn't trying to rescue his brother. And then things happen from that revelation. I don't want to spoil it. It's high action. It's fun. It moves fast. Burnham is amazing. I'm into it. It's not my favorite kind of story, but I'm, I'm into sort of the goofiness of it. And there's a lot of uncomfortable stuff, too. Like the, the first issue, Nose Cut. We, Ryan and I spent a lot of time talking about how that made us feel. I heard that, yeah. Didn't make us feel good. Mm-hmm. There's more of that in this issue. How do you feel about Kirkman's comic book writing at this point? I mean, I don't read The Walking Dead out in in trades. I don't. Invincible's over. I thought Invincible was incredible. I don't read anything else. I've tried his other stuff. I tried that sciencey one. I don't remember the name of it anymore. 
that came out a couple months ago. That was okay. I, have no idea. I didn't love it. That was also another show Ryan and it was on. This one's fun though. And he's got a co-writer. I wonder, and I wonder how much of it is. I mean, I don't know what the split is, but huh. it's fun. I don't read Outcast. I did for a while, and then I had had enough. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I must have done a, done a couple of years on it. Well, this is very different. I mean, Walking Dead is a horror book. Outcast is basically a horror book. Invincible was a straight-up superhero story. This is more of a action spy story. I think, I think that my question is, it's not really a question that I think you can answer, but as I try to sort of examine who Robert Kirkman is as a comic book creator now, I don't know that I know. He's still prolific, considering. I, is- I know, but I do feel like he's hopped around in genre and tone a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to understand, I guess, like what he wants to be. Or is it a guy who can do all sorts of different types of comics and stories? I mean, I don't know if he's trying to label himself. I don't, I mean. No, I know, I know, I know that. But I I just suppose, like, for a little while, like, I feel like I could read a lot of into, like, if I was reading Invincible and Walking Dead, these things that, you know, he's putting a ton into, like, I could, I could see where he was coming from a little bit. Oblivion Song, that's the sci-fi book he's doing. Oh, yeah. I think I did read the first one, and it didn't really make an impact on me. Yeah. I don't know. So he's got horror, horror, sci-fi, action, adventure. For a while, he was just doing horror and superhero. Yeah. I don't know if it's a, it's a matter of someone who is doing books he wants to turn into shows. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. But like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not... I don't know. I'm, I, I think I'm missing a spark in most of the stuff that I've read. Shows. I think there's more of a spark here, but I can't... But I think I'm attributing a lot of that to Burnham. Sure. He's uh, quite sparky. Yeah. He's super happy to be doing it. He loves it. I, I talked to him about it at Comic-Con. Well, I'm happy about that. Century number three yeah. was n- nearly pick of the week. Wow. They've got you. Lemire's got you. I, well, there's been a lot of shitty Century stories over the year. Uh-huh. In fact, one could say they've almost all been exclusively shitty Century stories. Sure. A couple of things going on here. There's a twist, basically, where somebody you thought wasn't a bad guy is the bad guy, and they, they meet with another bad guy. And, and this is basically, this reveals what's been going on in the background before the, the twist that we learned at the end of the last issue. There's a lot of Miracle Man in this also. It reminds me more of Miracle Man than any other Sentry thing. Which now now that I think about it, originally Sentry had a lot of Miracle Man in it. Which makes sense because Paul Jenkins is sort of a disciple of, of an Alan Moore time. Mm-hmm. And then the other half of it is that Kim Jacinto and Joshua Gassara, but I'm not sure what the the you know, that's like the secondary name. Like that's with assists, artists. That might just be inks. I'm not really sure. The whole time I was like, this art is great. Mm-hmm. This is an artist who I super. Have you read this at all? Just no. so I, okay. I, I might have read the first issue, or I looked at the first issue after you talked about it, but I didn't read it. Anymore. I really like this art. I can't think of who to compare it to. There's a, yeah, it's like a McNivenish vibe to it, but also mm-hmm. some other stuff that's 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 here. I've just been enjoying it. I like I like that the stakes seem to be really high, but I'm not sure if they're very high at all or they're just in his head. I like that it exists in the Marvel universe and. Also, they're working in a diner the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's a very linear thing. It is, but then the other the other thing I was saying I was going to say that's going on is he that, loves like, diners. They're in all his books this week. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. Also, this is a this is a, the next couple of books. It's a, it's going to be a, a Lemire block. It's one of those add. weeks that they keep claiming is just a coincidence, but keeps mm-hmm. happening every time. Is that all of the creators' books will come out in the same week? Yep. 
I just think he's he's doing good work here that doesn't feel like him now. And I know that that's probably not true because I haven't read everything he's done. He's done a lot of other stuff, but he does a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily interest me. And and I I'm I'm impressed by this in the way that I was impressed by say like his run on the Animal Man or something like that. It doesn't feel like that book, but I think it's got a lot of that personality. Is it ongoing? I don't know. Have they said? I mean, if, if they, they didn't say it to me, uh, I, I'm not sure. No one told you. No, no I one told they give me. you a call every time. It's actually not a lot of of superheroing in this. It's a lot of people arguing in a diner. <laughs> it doesn't say it's in a miniseries in, in, in solicitation, so it must be an ongoing. I mean, it feels like an ongoing. It feels like they're, they're doing a thing, and I don't know. I dig it. I'm enjoying it. I, I didn't expect any of this out of it, obviously, so it's been fun. And again, I, like the art really is, is getting me. There's a couple of pages in here that I think are super fun to look at. As the tide turns, Josh becomes a Century fan. Well, I mean, it's not too late to reverse that to either. <laughs> As you know, I'm it's fickle. spit when people said his name. And I turn around and spit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what's nice? Yeah. What? You do? Well, you know I, I, I mean, I know what I think. Right, right. I like a, I like a nice fabric on my nethers. A cradling? Yeah, supporting, supporting, cradling. Supportive. Not chafing, obviously, but not even, not even rubbing in a way that we don't want. You don't want like a rough nether situation. No, but you want you don't want too much give burlap, right? You definitely don't. Well, that's the opposite of give. That's (laughs) it gives. It actually gives you a lot you don't want. Well, the thing is, you have to find the right. It's like a seesaw. One side is supportive, and one side is is comfort, and you want to find that balance because on one side, you know, you tip too far one way, you got you got burlap chaos. Tip too far the other way, you got something like I don't know chaos silk that's not supportive but really no soft i did that once and it was probably 25 years ago and i was like this is horrible why would anyone want this exactly so you got to really get that seesaw balanced so we're talking about mac weldon they're sponsoring the show this week uh they, they make uh premium men's essentials not just underwear but shirts and socks and uh, lots of uh, lots of stuff now is on there i want mac weldon to know they can have that slogan balance the seesaw put it right balance right there the mac weldon balance your seesaw there you go take it it's yours but you don't want to say, like, balance your junk seesaw. <laughs> it's, implied. You it's implied. It's implied. <laughs> I know. I'm not being cool. <laughs> Mac Weldon is better than whatever it is you're wearing right now. I am currently wearing some Mac Weldon. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's – I just did laundry, so I'm in for it for a bit now. Right. I'm pretty excited. I don't know if you people know, but it's been it's been a pretty horrible summer in terms of weather. Mm-hmm. It's been either just lots of rain, which is humidity, and then a billion degrees in humidity. And really where you want to be <laughs> – <laughs> what Balance that season. Doing, uh, is is uh, how you're managing uh, moisture, heat, these kinds of things, breathability, fabrics that absorb odors, and those that repel them. And and this is these are some of the reasons that Matt Weldon is 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 a good choice uh, in times like this. It's because they believe in smart design, freemium fabrics, and simple shopping. It's a fine website. You go on, you find the item you want. They're categorized. Then you, you go in, you see the size, you see the colors that are available for that. Uh, they've got all the you see your solid colors. They've got your heathers. They've got your patterns. They've got your stripes, your dots, these kinds of things. Wherever it is you fall on that, I like to be all around it a little bit of the spectrum. Sometimes. You like this to, to sample. I do. I do. And I have a bit of each of those things because I like to feel sexy. Yeah. Underneath, even if no one knows. <laughs> but it's important to feel sexy, Josh, for yourself. You know, confidence comes from within and sometimes from with under your pants. 
Well, a lot of that has to do with it being super comfortable, and it is the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. And I can kind of back that up in terms of the underwear, at least, and the shirt. I wore the shirt the other day, which I don't pull out all that often, and I was like, oh, this is so great. i got to get more of these. There's a line of silver underwear and, and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means that they do they eliminate odor. They don't stink. Any bacteria that gets stuck on there, they don't get a chance to put out their stink gas. And that is going to be a good move for you especially the swarthy among you. You may want to uh, be comfortable, and if you don't like them and you're not comfortable, you can keep it, and they're still going to refund you. No questions asked. That's not, that's not going to be a thing. I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's not going to be a thing. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter the promo code iFanboy at checkout. At least try the, the silver. It'll change you your life. You should. I like the silver, but I reserve that for the super hot days. Yes. I prefer the, is it the 18 hour or the 24 hour? It's just sort of their standard one. I like that stuff a lot. Right. I have both though, because it you know needs must. Let's continue the Jeff Lemire train by talking about Black Hammer Age of Doom number four, which includes a major reveal about the situation. And I don't, again, I don't want to spoil, because it's not like talking about action comics here, but as we've been talking, as people who read the book know, that these characters who are mostly thinly veiled versions of Silver Age DC characters have been trapped in this limbo that includes a diner that they go to a lot, including a diner waitress or owner who is sleeping with one of the characters, the main character. Here we find out, um, maybe not necessarily why, but we find out who did this, and then we see where they actually are at the very end. But we don't have we don't have answers as to what that means. Mm. So it was a pretty major reveal. You're really digging all this, right? It's great. This is some of the best work Jeff Lemire's done. Mm-hmm. Very intricate plotting because it's happening over multiple books, multiple miniseries or specials. And he clearly has a great affection for that era of these kind of characters, the pulpish sci-fi versions. of you know, There's a Adam Strange and there's a, there's a Martian Manhunter and there's a Captain Marvel and all these different versions of these characters. And uh, it's interesting. We don't know what's happening, but we have a very interesting cliffhanger that we're going to deal with next, next month. This was close. This would have been in the pick of the week contention. I feel like the way that this is set up, it got ahead of me, and now I'm like, this is too much. It's, it's honestly probably only a couple of trades worth. But yeah, I know. What happened was they it, they found success early on, and then suddenly we had side minis and we had specials, and and they've all been really good. It's just mm-hmm. that suddenly there was a lot of them. It's like someone who recently came up to me and said, "Hey, should I check out Bendis's Superman?" I was like, "Sure, you need to buy 17 issues." <laughs> it's true they are re- by by double shipping they're raising the barrier of entry sort yes. of or depending on how the story is written i also thought um this is just for us doing the show and those listening you know you end up talking about a lot of the same books more often because they come out every two weeks that's a good point when you have four weeks to talk about books of different kinds it's different but you got to talk about batman every two weeks or action comics or you know spider-man and you ends up you end up uh Talking about the same kind of books, the double shipping is, and it's also rewiring our brains because I'm having a harder time remembering what's happening in the monthly books now. Yeah, that's a good point. But let's not. So talk it's about bad. It. Like it's, it's bad. It's bad. No one likes like it. Overall, it's hastening the demise. The, the bean counters. <sighs> is it good that there's going to be a demise? Then I don't know. Mm. I don't know anything. Royal City number fourteen. Also, Jeff Lemire. This is the final issue of his. Is an extended mini series or maxi series as they used to be called at Image Comics. And he has an interesting essay in the back uh, 
in which he says this was meant to be like an ongoing family drama epic and he just quickly realized it was just taking too much out of him emotionally and so he cut it short <laughs> to 14 mm-hmm. issues it was supposed to be like a like a sweet tooth length you know oh wow and he said it couldn't do it <laughs> and so interesting i don't know you that don't it was all stay young i get i hear you jeff i don't know if it was successful i would like to sit down and read them all through it's it's a, it's a very ended up being just a small story about a family who had a tragedy in their past. One of the kids died, and it's sort of all of them, all the fallout of his siblings and his parents, and they're sort of all coming to a place of acceptance at the end of it, which is it's, it's a nice story. It's a nice little family drama, and and I liked it. Lemire drew it, which he doesn't do a whole lot. I think you can probably hand this to someone as a volume, and it'd probably be a nice little, you know, Canadian slice of life. Sorry. I don't even think there was any hockey in it. That's weird. There might have been hockey in it. I bet there. I bet. I mean, it was there in spirit. But it was a nice experiment, as he said. It, like yeah, something he meant. He he went one way on it, ended up going another way, and he just re- went with it mm-hmm. to a shorter place. Did you know the Detective Comics nine eighty seven was Brian Edward Hill's last issue? I did. I didn't know that. I knew that he was doing a short run, which is weird because there was sort of a media onslaught that went around. And I was like, oh, Brian Edward Hill is having his moment. Right. Uh, but it turns out it's a short moment. I'm sure this will lead to other moments. Well, this is leading into an outsider's book. Right. Which is less compelling to me for some reason that I can't fully put my finger on. Yeah. But you know what? Knowing that, that this is like leading to an outsider's book. And as we sort of got to the end of this issue, it was very obvious that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. I became less interested in it <laughs> because it's it's not a story on its own as much as it is a bridge. Yeah, this is it's it's an extended like pre credit sequence of gra- yeah. gathering the team together, and it's fine. It's Batman and Black Lightning and Katana, and they're also adding in um, the Signal, who has had really no no place in the world, so that's a good place to put him. And then question: Was he always called the Signal? No, that's or was a, he that's a recent just thing. It's stupid. Duke, okay. It's Duke's superhero identity that gave him the dumb, overly explained idea is that he is sort of the, the daytime signal. He's like the bat signal. It doesn't make any sense. That is, that's, that's, I mean, like, they it's were like, this, that bat wing thing didn't work. Let's try this. And then the orphan, who is, of course, uh, Cassandra, who was once Batgirl. So that's, that's the team. And it's an interesting team. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. I like Brian Edward Hill. I just, yeah. I never yeah. make it all that far with uh, Outsiders books. Me neither. I want to. I remember, and I remember that going way back. Oh, I love the Outsiders as a kid. Jim Aparo. Uh, yeah, and Drew it was and... Uh, like a Metamorpho and, and, and Martian Manhunter, and that's the first I one I remember. Well, I actually bought the Omnibus. It was a little tiny Omnibus I did recently. But yeah, Metamorpho and Black Lightning and Katana and Batman and, and uh, uh-huh. that platinum blonde girl whose name I don't remember. But it was fun back then. Yeah. So I've been enjoying this run, this story. Uh, there are bits of this at the beginning that I, I was like, I was like, I don't know that I like the tone of this. Wait, what, what are we talking about? This detective. Okay, I thought we'd moved on. Where just stuff felt a little bit on the nose. Mm-hmm. And then there were other bits where I was like, oh, I like them. This moment, I liked, I liked Black Lightning and Batman interacting a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really good. The sort of big moment, you know, where Batman's like, I will give it all to you, and he he opens up his sadness to the guy and drives him insane. Eh. I, I <laughs> like liked it. it. It makes sense. It makes sense on paper, but I, I just it just felt a little more standard, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I liked most of this, but in the, in the end, I don't know that I, I, I loved it. But I think it's a good showing, and I think that you know Hill should be on more things. Well, I think that what you said was right, is that once I figured out or found out that this was a just a prelude to another book, it became less interesting. I thought he was sort of... I didn't know. You know, we don't we don't read the news yeah. anymore. So, like, when he came on, I thought he was the new writer as opposed to a short run. And this this is going to be followed by a short run by James Robinson. I don't know where the what the future of Detective Comics is, but... The thing, I don't think any of these books thrive under little short runs. Mm-hmm. It's hard to grab onto something, especially, again, in this culture where you've got all these books shipping all the time and all the yeah. time and so that there's not continuity and i don't mean continuity in the other sense i mean just sort of creative continuity tone continuity with right. with a creative team that you can grab onto uh i think it's a lot harder to like it's easy to skip something basically it's tough Up. it's i don't I, I don't envy anyone who's trying to figure this all out the market the comics market how to tell and sell nothing seems to sell and nothing and yeah and who yeah. knows how to tell it so and my tastes uh, do not dominate that of the market, so I understand <laughs> that too. Shanghai Red number three. I think we, every issue we talked about. I didn't talk about two, or I wasn't on the show. Maybe you guys did. I don't remember if we did or not. I know that I read two today, uh, as I read <laughs> just before I read number three. I just I, I dig it. I just wanted to catch back in because I know we talked about the first issue a little bit, um, and then you hadn't read it, but I think I told you to go check it out, and I assume you did. Um. No, I read it. I think you told me to read it before the show, and I did read it. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. This is basically like she's she's whatever her name is. Red, Red. is is in Portland, and 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 the the owner of the tavern that is the place where she was Shanghai'd. She's you know that she's on her list, like Arya and her list. Yeah, she's got a list of people who caused her being Shanghai'd out and for five years in a boat, and she's killing them all. Yep. And basically, uh, this I think it's Liz. Uh, you know, shows are like, no, it's much deeper than a few people. This is a whole thing. It's a system. Yep. You're fighting the system. And she wants to help uh, take down the system. But like all everybody's uh, motivations and goals are different. And so there's, you know, it's an uneasy alliance, blah, blah, blah. But I, I like the way that it, there, it wasn't like, sure thing, sister, let's work together. You know, there's a little bit here where they said something about how she's, the only woman who owns and runs a, a tavern in the whole place. And, and it's just like, just think about what her attitude must, what kind of personality that must be to require, you know, yeah. to do uh, that. What she's had like, to go oh. through to do that. Yep. This has to be a miniseries, right? I mean, this can't be a, Oh, sure. I mean, I, that's what I was thinking. I was reading. I was like, this gotta be anyway. Yeah, no, I assumed it was a miniseries. It looks good. It looks, it's kind of Michael Larkish, the art yep. from uh, Joshua Hickson. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Christopher Sabella is the art writer and it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's a this kind of book I want to read more of. It's you know historical fiction. It's not. I assume zombies will show up at some point. I mean, they're already here. I, I'm guessing they're all zombies in their hearts. Yep. It toes the line of like trying to make a political point to me. Not a, not that I'm anything against that, but I always like it when it's more subtle. Like you don't have to hit That's me over the, the best face. Kind like of political I'm, point. Yeah, like I I understand. You know, I, I agree with you. So show me that in an interesting way or in a historical context that I may not understand. I may not have understood. Books like this and there's a, a novel I'm reading right now that takes place in the in the 1800s just makes me makes me happy to not live at that time. That's a good point. Just it's, makes me grateful for what I've got. As bad as things are right now, possibly, mm-hmm. at least it's not the 1800s. You're not in danger of rubella or being or, in Shanghai. Yeah, that too. Or uh, anything really. Dying at 36 just for no reason. So. It's your yeah. time to go. <laughs> My teeth just falling out. Mm-hmm. 
you're no good after that. So those are the books we're going to talk about. If you go to patreon.com slash ifanboy and you sign up to support the show, anyone who's a patron can go and vote. The voting period starts Wednesday morning and it ends Thursday afternoon, in case you're wondering, because many people who are patrons have said, oh, I didn't know when I could vote and I missed it. Well, it starts when you get the books and it ends with enough time for us to read it and do the show Friday morning. <laughs> so uh, go check it out at patreon.com slash ifanboy. And this week, the victor was West Coast Avengers number one. Kelly Thompson, writer, Stefano Caselli on art, Triona Farrell on colors. And I don't know what to do here, Josh, because I thought it was really, really well made. I thought that writing was really sharp and funny, and it moved, moved well. I thought it was gorgeous. The Stefano Caselli, I've always been a big Stefano Caselli fan. It's just that I hate half these characters. I don't say hate. I, I said, just don't. I don't care about half these characters. I, I think, I think you're you're just about spot on where I am. I was going to do a whole bit where I was like, it's fine, but that's actually not true. I I was really well done and pretty good. Now I know the name Kelly Thompson. I know that I've read stuff from her before, and maybe she did the last Hawkeye book or whatever. She's got skill. I think it's a she. I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah. But she's got the skills. She's good. It is a certain type of book taking after. I guess the you know in the the Hawkeye, Matt Fraction Hawkeye or or, or um, uh, Nick Spencer Superior Foes yeah Nick Spencer Superior Foes of Spider Man kind of vein. She wrote the first sixteen issues of that Hawkeye series that Kate was a star of. Okay, they did sixteen issues on that, so that was over the course of about four weeks. <laughs> right, they came out Thank on you. Wednesday. So I, I enjoyed it. I like I like the craft of it. I I don't know that I'm necessarily the audience for this. No, I think that's what it comes down to. It's just it's in the dreaded phrase. It's just not for us. Kind of. It's although it's not so far from that. It's on the edge. It's on the edge of yeah. My litmus test is: Does Gwenpool show up? Not for me. I literally don't know what Gwenpool is. This mm-hmm. is the first time I've ever actually read her in a book. Mm-hmm. It's an alternate universe Deadpool who is Gwen Stacy. Yeah fine <laughs> got this guy with the piercings in his face who's just the boyfriend how is that not annoying in your everyday existence I, the old man you know said to i the don't kids. think we want i don't think we want to do this <laughs> i like america chavez as a she's character fine, i tried fine. to read her miniseries for a yeah. bit i hate Quentin there's a little Fire. bit of a deadpool 2 tryout sequence here yeah. that was okay it's kind of funny yeah you're right the art is fantastic i like the clint who is here yeah. Like, is he on the team or not? Is like a joke. He's like, I thought you were just hanging out. You know, he's like, why are you saying there's five of us on the team? I do like that you have a Kate Bishop here who has grown up from when we first met her in Young Avengers. Mm-hmm. Like, she has advanced in life in the way that we that people don't necessarily want, say, Peter Parker to do. Yeah. Like, she's still young, but she's moved past being, I think she was the... She was dad. a spoiled, rich girl and who had right, and who her was dad really was good a criminal. Yeah. Yeah. There isn't a, a there isn't the question of is is she good enough is she you know can she be respected by anybody they're past that there that isn't this isn't like the Kyle Rayner thing like am I good enough should I be here that's not the question she knows it yeah yeah and everybody else knows it like Clint knows it he doesn't need her to prove it they he he considers them on equal footing because you know he gave her the name at the one point and I like that I think that's that's really good uh, I super dug uh, I like the shark bit at the beginning the land, land sharks. sharks. And I liked the giant Tigra off of Santa Monica at the end. So, a couple things. One, the whole thing is the whole crux. Is in the beginning, we, we meet them. They're fighting land sharks. Literal mm-hmm. sharks with legs running around. What is definitely not Santa Monica 
It is sure. definitely the corner of Windward and Pacific in Venice. <laughs> That's right. I'm turning to that guy. Wow. The rest of it is Santa Monica. But that, yeah, the, the tiger is definitely Santa Monica. Yeah, the, that opening scene, though, definitely not Santa Monica. Anyway, uh, and then the, the big thing is is there's a giant 200-foot tigra who was one of the original founding members of the West Coast Avengers, one of Josh's all-time favorite books. Mm-hmm. Out, and they've got to figure out why, and she's not responding to anything, and she doesn't know who Clint is, and she's, a, she's feral, and... I'm wondering if they're gonna if this is a thing where they go through, like, the original team in some way, and that's kind of interesting to me. I mean, I'll take more Wonder Man when I can get it. What did you think of Brodock, the California surfer dude, Modoc guy, who has a just a slightly bigger head? It's it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny, but I don't think it went far enough because at first I just thought the art was really bad. I was like, uh-huh. hey, you have the guy's head too, just slightly too big. But Yeah, you know what, though? Given what he's supposed to be and, like, you know, he's got his, his sexy abs, whatever whatever that line is that I will never, you know, I don't even, <laughs> not sure it's real. And I see what they're going for with that, and it's it's kind of interesting. Uh-huh. I don't know. Like, I don't want it, I don't want it around for that long. Like I said, I'm the beginning. I'm of two minds of reading this book because I thought it was really well done. I just like I didn't like Quentin Quire when Morrison introduced him in the X Men. I know you're maybe not supposed to, but I just don't like him. Gwynpool annoys me. America Travis is fine. The guy at the piercings, as we discussed, I don't understand why that's not a nuisance. Kate's cool. Hawkeye's cool. But I don't know. I think I'm going to read more. I I, I, I realize we're jumping on our segment here, but yeah. Well, I mean, this that's this is what the discussion is. Also, I hate the logo. There's a, I can't. I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't like the cover at all. I wouldn't have picked it up in the store if I saw that cover. Or no. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. I don't like the cover. No. But again, that's one of those. It's not for me. Like I was like, <laughs> this is. It's not, and that's fine. Like that's, it's cool. Everyone has their own books now, which is great. Comics should not market to me. <laughs> no. I mean, just straight up. If you're like, if if like, or like the pick of the week now, it's a death knell. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, let's do ratings. Ratings. <sighs> Fuck. I don't know, man. Uh, 3.75 out of 5. That's a really good rating. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your rating, and I'm going to rate it the same rating. You're going to rate my rating? What, you give my rating a 5? No, no. Of- you're, I mean, your rating is a 5. <laughs> but I'm then I'm agreeing with your rating, and I'm going to rate at the same rate with which you rate it. And sticking with it, I think I'm going to... I think so? <laughs> I don't know that we've ever been more on the same page. Because <laughs> <laughs> Connor and I agree about a lot of things. Yeah, but we also disagree, but we also about, disagree about many things. That's Which right. are mostly process based, but <laughs> in this instance, yeah, I'm re- I'm 100 with you. All right, well, there you go. West Coast Avengers number one, the patron pick. That's your Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. And if you also go there and you give it the five dollar or higher level, you can get your own superpower right here on the show live as a way of thanks, as a way of thanking our patrons. So let's do that. Let's thank Josh Helgeson. Josh has always got twenty bucks on him, <laughs> even if he spends it. He just, he's just, he's just got it. You know, like, when I was a kid, I had a jacket. Like, whenever I put it on, I was like, oh, there's money in the pocket. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how that happened. I just would, just would be there. And he's just kind of like that. It's like he reaches his pocket in his jeans. Oh, here's 20 bucks. That's all right. That's good. Yeah. He's just always got it. You know what Chris Olivas can do? 
Olivas? Olivas? If he touches you, he can cure the common cold. Whoa. Just on a case-by-case basis. He can't wipe it out from existence. No, but, but he can cure it individually. Yep. So how does he have to hold you for any length of time? Is it like a, yeah. like a cradling thing? Does he have to cradle you like in a loving way? No, it just, just puts a finger on you, just gives it a second. Tap. You're good to go. It'll clear up in an hour or so. Wow. Mm-hmm. He should open a clinic. He could, but then he'd have to touch a bunch of sick people. Does does he get cold? Does he get the cold? I don't think so. Or does he innately cure himself if he contra- contracts it? I'm going to guess, though, that he can't. Yeah. Or is that yeah, the tragedy, is that he, he can't cure his own cold? I mean, I feel like that's just mean <laughs> to do to him. So I'm going to assure that whatever antibodies he has in him that can do it, like he's 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 immune. All right. So he can, he never gets the cold. No, he can get other stuff. He and, can have bronchitis, but it's not a cold. And he's never had the cold, so he doesn't even know how to sympathize. That's a good point. Yeah, no. I wonder. I theoretically, though, he could get like uh, seasonal allergies. And the flu. Oh sure, but that's not like a cold. It has no. each of those have their own feeling, their own thing. Mike Hauser has inanimate object X-ray vision. So, he can see into your car engine. Mm-hmm. He can look inside a couch. Oh, there's the penny you lost. <laughs> your shower head is low flow. Oh, I can see your uh, washer broke and now it's clogging the pipe. And but not people. Just so an, just non-organic, an non-organic X-ray vision. Huh. What if someone's dead? Can he see inside them? No, because they're still organic. Right, okay. Just making sure. We well, yeah, said yeah. inanimate originally. So. Yeah, you're right. I, in, or, in, inorganic is a more accurate term. That's what I, I... We're on the same page there. That's fine. Robots, sure. People who are pa- partially cybernetic, he could see inside your your leg if you had like a... You know, one of those cybernetic legs. Mm-hmm. Or hands, so the ones that the hand opens and closes. I'm going to mm-hmm. get really emotional and cry while you do the next one. You all right, buddy? I just need some water. Okay. Uh, Dan R can appear as a as a cartoon at will. It, ooh, so what? Like, like he would be like you'd be talking to him, and all of a sudden it would be as if you were in Roger Rabbit. He is a cartoon version of himself, which we can he can manifest at will. Does he change the style, or is it one set style? And if no, so, it's a set what style, style is it? Um, like late thirties, early forties Warner Brothers kind of thing. So Looney Tunes style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to check, you know. Tex Avery. Well, when he's when he's a cartoon, does he have like the the durability? Can he get thrown off a cliff? Can an animal no. fall on him? No, and that's key. Because earlier on, he was like, well, "Hold on, let me stand under this piano," because I think, "Oh, that didn't work." And then you go to the <laughs> hospital in cartoon form, and they don't know what to do. Like, what the so fuck? there's a risk. So if he gets blown up by the Roadrunner, he's toast. Oh yeah, no, he's he's still completely mortal. Interesting. And, 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 you know, don't get, when you're standing next to Dan and he looks like that, you want to hit him with a train. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> a giant mallet? Yeah. But don't. Concussions are real. Yeah. And it's, there's no laughing matter. <laughs> All right. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That is the place to go to help support the show. You can, get, you can vote in the patron pick. You can get your own superpower and also help us get to our next stretch goal, which is a non comics media podcast. 
as well as do our monthly hangouts. The next one's happening soon in a matter of days or today, actually. So we'll get to that at the end of the show. Also, I found out at threadless.com is where you can go buy a t-shirt. Lots of people have been buying them lately. Nothing makes sense. Nothing matters is a big hit, but other shirts have been selling like hotcakes. So people are buying electro shirts. People are buying rating shirts. I'm wearing an electro shirt right now. So, still not a, love, a lot of love for the GDAT shirt, but some. I get one of those. That's my some. I have a lot of t-shirts. This, yeah. this whole midlife crisis concert going thing has been a problem in that respect. You can just go to the show. You don't have to buy the shirt. Yeah, but I never could before, and now I kind of can. So I'm like, oh, get the shirt. Now I have way too many shirts. I found out.com slash support. It's where you can help us via PayPal with a direct donation if you don't want to become a patron member, which is totally cool. People do that all the time. Thank you for that. Fanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find links to our Booksplode books as well as a general Amazon link. And we thank everyone who does everything they can to help support the show. We really do appreciate it. I think we got time for one email, Josh. You pick. Let's do one email. You pick one. Uh, Since I don't know what they are. I'm going to go with... Tim from Seattle, who says, I've only read a handful of comics from the 80s. Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns. What's C-O-I? Crisis and Infinite Earths. Crisis and Infinite Earths. Swamp Things. T-K-J. Killing Joke. Killing Joke. 88. Okay. And I've never read anything older. What am I missing out on? And this is sort of related, so I'm going to go with that. Marvel Unlimited has been a great way for me, typically a DC guy, to get into Marvel more. Do you guys have any Marvel runs that you enjoyed but didn't really talk about on the show for any reason? So these are sort of two questions, but I think that we can conflate them a bit. Well, there's a lot of things we haven't talked about on the show. Sure. There's more comics than we could ever talk about on the show. That's true. That's true. Because I just haven't thought about this in a while. I was having a hard time coming up with... An, like you said, I haven't read anything older, and I thought, older really? 80s, that's, yeah. that's quite a bit. Well, that's so you're, you're missing out on two full ages the Golden Age, Silver Age. The Bronze Age uh-huh. is the 80s. So you're, I mean, but even that, it's only the, high, it's only the highlights from the late Bronze Age. These, those are, those aren't, I wouldn't, those are even Bronze Age comics. Those are the ones he's talking about. Those are, those are modern age Watchmen, Dark Knight, Crisis, Swamp Thing. And the killing joke. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Bronze Age ended with Crisis, basically. So that's really three ages he hasn't read. Yeah, that's a true. lot of comics. That's a lot of... That's 20... That's uh, 40 years of comics. So my instinct for that stuff, because I am not an expert on it, and there are people who are... You've read a, you don't really love those ages. Uh, I, I do and don't for different reasons. Because the way that I would approach it would be to do it by creator. So if you said to yourself, like, I really like... And the hard thing about those ages is that a lot, especially the older comics, you don't know who the creators were. Sure, but there are people. So like, for example, the, like the first thing that I would tell you to do would be to check out uh, Walt Simonson's Thor run. When was that? that would, uh, mid to late 80s through there, mm. I think. Probably, I, I think of it mostly as mid 80s. It's a sort of a, a straight up, you know, Thor mythological story, but it introduces a lot of the stuff that you've seen, like in the in the movies, and and sort of the way that the modern Thor, well, not the completely modern Thor, because they've switched around a little bit, but it was what Thor was for a while, and the art is, you know, spectacular. Um, it's, it's really great art. It's going to be easier to answer this question for '80s stuff. Yes, and going back, it's a little tougher, and that's when I start to be like, well, I know that there are runs like, you know, John Byrne. On Fantastic Four in the eighties, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, well, John Byrne on Uncanny X Men, John yes. Byrne and Chris Claremont, the the the, yep. the run that defined the X Men was Steve was Englehart, the 80s. Captain America in the seventies. My black hole is the seventies. 
I've read yeah. a lot of 40s, 50s, and 60s comics. I love the Silver Age. I love reading the Golden Age books. And then I kind of skip over the 70s and jump into the 80s. I mean, I've read some 70s books, but that's sort of my, my real black hole. I think that a lot of good stuff was happening then. If you want to think about like Roy Thomas was doing a lot of stuff through the 60s and in the early 70s and the 70s is sort of switched over to a different group of people. But you had like Steve Englehart or um, I'm having a hard time. Like the, there's a lot of cosmic stuff that was happening then. I wish um, you we had done this. Not I'm not denigrating you because I just wish we'd had this question on the live show because I'd pull out that giant book. The history of yeah. comics book that by a decade I would I could just show stuff there. Like that's what I would want to read right now. If you're gonna like, I would read like early '70s stuff from that group of folks who was there. I would read if I had Marvel Unlimited and lots of time. I would read Walt Simonson's Thor. That'd be the mm-hmm. first thing I go after. Or I would read '80s Avengers. Right, '80s Avengers is terrific. Roger Stern, Sal Bashima. I would read John Byrne, West Coast Avengers. Well, you also had. You had- you had '80s um, Captain America with uh, yeah, yeah, Mark uh, Grunewald, Grunewald and uh, Kieran Dwyer. Yeah, those are my first ones. I would read. The first thing I thought of was literally the sort of Michelini's run on Iron Man was really long, mm. but I picked it up right at the. It, there was a part where Tony Stark was dating this girl, and then he broke up with her, and then she he walked into his house and she shot him through the spine, and he was paralyzed. That was like my first Tony Stark story, and I I loved it. I thought it was great. I don't know if it's good now. I haven't read it in a while, but I checked that out. The 80s had a lot of great comics. You know, 80s had 80s was the Justice League run, the uh, post-crisis Kiff and J.M.D. Matias, Kevin McGuire in the early days run. I mean, really was one of the classic runs. I don't know if it's Marvel, so I don't know if it's on Marvel Unlimited, but 80s G.I. Joe comics. Oh, yeah, for sure. Incredible. If the if the Nam is on there, it's amazing. Yeah, the Nam is terrific. Is he asking only for no? He's asking. Well, he's, he's got Marvel Unlimited, but yeah. I mean, you know, the funny thing is, is that you said your blind spot is the 70s and my blind spot is DC in the 70s. Like right. I, I get 70s Marvel. I know what was happening then, but I don't, I don't know stuff from the 70s at, at, at DC. The 70s in, in entirety is a black hole for me. I, I wouldn't feel confident speaking about it. Kirby was at DC in the 70s. So that's the new gods. Yeah, that's, new gods. you know, Jimmy Olsen and, and that you kind of You go back, stuff. you know, prior to that and you, you, you know, it's worth checking out the original Marvel 60s <laughs> stuff, the Stan Lee and Ditko Spider-Man and Stan Lee and Kirby Fantastic Four and Stan Lee and Kirby Avengers. And Every time I see 60s Ditko stuff, it's more impressive to me than it was the last time I saw it. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, it's taken me a long time to understand why it was great, but I can see it now and it's, it's really impressive. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, the original Marvel 60s stuff that, that spawned all this Marvel stuff is worth looking at me. I'm a big fan of the old Dick Sprang Batman stuff in the Silver Age. It's worth going back and looking at the old Bill Finger, Bob Kane, Batman, original Golden Age, just to see how different it was. There's a lot of great, great stuff throughout the ages. Mm-hmm. But you have to be, also keep in mind how different comics were. You know, yep. modern age comics. Watchmen Dark Knight not only changed the tone, but they changed how comics information was presented on the page. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot more captions is a lot more speaking about what you're doing on the page as you're doing it it's a lot it's a different mindset you have to get into when you read it it's just kind of like watching an old movie or reading an old book also think the audience changed well yeah they were who they were writing for just changed and so all of a sudden it's speaking to at you at a, at a different level sure in this in the in the golden and silver age they were talking to young kids sometimes mm-hmm. directly batman would often admonish kids to not get into crime at the end of his comics because they were the ones reading the books so you have to just take, keep that in mind when you're reading stuff older than the, the modern age. 
There's a ton out there, and there's more than we could ever talk about. We talked about a good portion of older stuff on the video show, which mm-hmm. unfortunately half of is no longer available as of recent events. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> you can look on YouTube. A lot of our newer video stuff is there, and we talked. We tend to use that to talk about evergreen older stuff on that show. Yeah, that's true. So if you want to email us, get on the show. Contact at ifanboy.com is the place to do it. Is the way to do it. It's just just the thing. Just do it. It's the, it's the, it's the way to be, man. I'm so hungry. There will be a Talksplode in August, most likely. It's scheduled. It's on the – I know who it is. I know it's going to happen. I never like to say until I've recorded it, though. I like that you know who it is. I, I, for, I think it's a better interview when you go in knowing who, who you're talking to. <laughs> well, I, like, I do like the quiz portion at the beginning. <laughs> did you work you? on superheroes? <laughs> yes, I did. Okay, good, good, good. Are you a writer or an artist? <laughs> so look for that near the end of the month. And then uh, for September, the Booksplode with Connor and I is going to be Superman Blue Volume 1. I have begun reading. We need to schedule that so I can start reading it, and because I like to pace it out to finish right before the show. Sure. So we need to figure that. You and I will figure that out. That's fair. A couple more announcements. This past week, we uh, released the animation Brain Trust episode of The Death of Superman, the first part of the two-part animated film, The Death of Superman is Part 1, Reign of Superman is Part 2. And uh, so that's out. You can listen to that. It was a fun show to do. And we have episode 650 of this podcast coming up. It's coming up just a few weeks. As we mentioned last week, so if you can do the math, it's coming out in two weeks. And we're going to be recording it live, live streaming it on video. And it's going to be our traditional all-email show on the 50s and zeros. So the first, if you want to get your email on the show, you email us at contact.ifanboy.com. You put 650 in the subject line. We've already got a ton of them. Thank you for sending them. Keep sending them in. And we'll be doing as many of those as we can on a live show. And that show is going to be recorded September 7th. At 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 Pacific. So if you want to come watch us record live, it's going to be me and Josh and Ryan Haupts all together. It's going to be then. You, you can watch it. We'll have the links on the website. It's going to be broadcast over YouTube. And it'll be fun. It'll be fun for everybody. We have a good time doing those. And, of course, the patron hangouts. August hangout is the 26th. So if you, if you download the show on the first day, it comes out on the 26th. It's tonight. If you, if you listen to it later in the week, it, it happened. It's already gone. You missed it. But you could go watch it. You could still watch the replay if you're a patron. And if you're a patron, September 16th is the next Hangout. That's the G.I. Joe Fantasy Draft episode. We had to push it off because of scheduling problems. But we'll be doing our G.I. Joe Fantasy Draft on the September show, which is September 16th. And you can find all that information on the Patreon page. And I've already got my spreadsheets going, Josh. I have no doubt. That's never that's never an untrue statement with you, Mr. Kilpatrick. <laughs> so, so check those out. We have three live events happening in the next couple of weeks, so look for those. Cool. If you uh, want to know more, you can head over to ifanboy.com. You can find uh, – I was going to say all of our podcasts, but apparently not quite. You know what was great about Discovery pulling all the Revision 3 content off the web was that I had just spent like a month re-embedding all those old videos into our website posts. Oh. And I had just spent a month cleaning up the copy – because the formatting was all fucked up and embedding the videos. And then, like, the day after I finished, they pulled all that content. <laughs> Jerks! That feels about right. Yeah. You can find out what the pick of the week is uh, before the show comes out by liking uh, Facebook.com slash iFanboy or following at iFanboy Twitter. Or also, um, if you're a patron, you will see that on Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Uh, that's the place to do it. Also, that's the place where you will learn about, like, uh, if we happen to schedule our hangout late. Make sure you're paying attention to that, patrons. You can follow us individually on at Jay Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram or at CS Kilpatrick on Instagram as well. And finally, if you like the show, please write us a review on iTunes or leave a star rating on iTunes. It's a great way. In fact, it's the best way to help people find new podcasts. And another thing you can do is 
I see this a lot on social media. People ask, hey, what's a good podcast to listen to or what's a good comics podcast? And very often people will mention our show. And we do thank you very much for that. Nothing beats a personal recommendation. It's the best thing Nothing. you can do. To your mom even. You know, wow. If she's asking you, hey, I've heard about, I read about podcasts in Reader's Digest. Because your, your, your mom's from 1985. I think it is. I don't know. Okay. Uh, what should I listen to? Say, Mom, I don't know why you would, but listen to my fanboy. You might enjoy it. And then she'll listen to it and go, why did you tell me to listen to that show? It's about comic books. I don't read comic books. And you're like, I don't know. They told me to do it. So there you go. Have that conversation with your mom. It's better sure. than why aren't you married yet? Well, we don't have to worry about that anymore. Well, where are the kids? Well, that one. So have a new conversation with her about iFanboy. <laughs> Okay. <sighs> you know what? <laughs> That's enough. The problem is, you know, in order to keep sound fidelity of the show, I close my office door. Uh-huh. And now it's like I'm being interrogated. Oh, right. I'm just covered in sweat and I'm hungry. So that's why. I, so I blame everything that? on that. Antimicrobial fabrics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Thank you each and every one. In the summer of the evening. In the summer of the evening. In the summer of the